Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time, this time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000, 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. I want to talk this morning from the thought, again, as we focus in February on the thought of canceling weakness. I want to talk this morning from this thought, I'm strong enough to win this time. I'm strong enough to win this time. Strong enough to win this time. This time. Joshua was commanded to fight against everything that stood between Israel and their conquering the promised land. The promised land was just that. It was a land, a country that God had promised to give Israel. But it would not just be given to them, they would have to fight for it. This isn't a fight to conquer a nation. This wasn't a fight to own new property. This was a fight for God's people to conquer and occupy a land where they could live free as God's holy people. They were to be a holy nation, a peculiar people who belonged to God. It was to be a land where where there would be no idolatry, in fact, Only God and God alone was to be worshipped. Canaan was to be a land where God's people dwelt and they were to live as his obedient, worshipful people. Israel was to live in obedience to God's commands in Canaan. In other words, there was to be no killing, no stealing, no lying, no coveting, no sexual immorality, none of that in Canaan. There was supposed to be so much compassion and mercy shown by God's people to one another that the widows, orphans, and strangers would have their needs met without having to stand at the intersections of Canaan's streets begging. Israel, Israel in Canaan was supposed to be holy and blessed that so blessed that other nations would say of them, Israel doesn't just believe in God. They love their God. They they don't just believe in God. They love their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength. And their neighbors were to say of Israel, the, the way they treat people is unmatched. It's as if they love their neighbors as themselves. This was their fight. It wasn't just to get the land. It wasn't a fight merely for property that flowed with milk and honey and oil and diamonds and gold. 
It wasn't an attempt to seize the land so they would be under so so that they would be under communist control or to ensure it would never fall under democratic control. It was to be a land where people who were serious about love and righteousness and justice lived to the glory of God. So Israel fought for it. They fought for it. They believed this was their mandate from God and that it was a fight worth fighting. Israel began fighting under Moses' leadership. By now, he's passed away, and they now follow Joshua, his successor. Joshua has led the people of God through victorious warfare against Jericho. God gave Israel a strategy to march around Jericho for a week, and on the seventh day, the walls around the city fell to the ground. The next city is Ai. Ai. Things, things didn't turn out so good at Ai. Not at, not at Ai. Israel was literally ran out of town at Ai. Ai showed Israel what time it was. Ai, Ai gave Israel a run for their money. Ai's men came out of everywhere and chased Israel out of their city. When the word circulated around Ai that these, these dudes from Israel was coming to invade their town and take over, the, the men of, of Ai wasn't having that. They wasn't playing. They, they came out of every barber shop, every restaurant, every bar. They were so serious. They came out of every strip club, every golf course. They, they quit playing their pickup basketball games in the park. They, they pushed their checkers aside to go and run these dudes from Israel away from AI. Some men from one of the churches in AI were walking one Thursday morning at the newly constructed rec center until they heard some dudes from Israel was, was, was trying to start some trouble. They ran out of that rec center. Well, they, they walked real fast out of that rec center to their cars in the parking lot and joined all the other brothers from AI to run these dudes away from, away from AI. So Israel lost that little conflict. They lost that little conflict, but the thing is, they weren't supposed to. They, they weren't supposed to. They were supposed to conquer AI, defeat AI, take over AI, but they got the brakes beat off of them at AI. Has that ever happened to you? I already know the answer. Yes. All of us in here who follow after Christ, we've lost some battles that we were supposed to win. I already know the answer. I don't need you to turn to your neighbor. I don't need you to raise your hand. I don't need you to wink at me if it's ever happened to you. All of us who follow Jesus and trying to please God, all of us, we've lost some battles that we were supposed to win. We, we lost some battles that we could have won. We lost some battles that we had the resources to win. We, we lost some battles we were supposed to win. All of us. It's, it's happened to all of us who, who follow Christ. We've, we've all had battles. We've all been defeated by some weaknesses in our flesh that we could have defeated and conquered. Every follower of Jesus has been empowered to put our flesh under subjection. While none of us are expected to be perfect, we are expected to live holy and blameless and above reproach. We have lost battles with our thinking that we should have won. We've lost battles with our mouths. We should have won. We've been in situations where the Holy Ghost was telling us to be quiet and we struggled to obey and say not what we were thinking, but we lost that battle. We've, we've lost battles with our anger. We should have won. We, we, we've lost battles with our temper that we should have won. The Holy Ghost told you not to send that email or that text or that post or post that comment on social media. You fought to obey, but you lost that battle. 
You should have won it. You were supposed to win it. You could have won it, but you lost. We've all lost battles with lust, integrity, faith, mercy, generosity, humility, peace, forgiveness, addiction, gluttony, jealousy, just to name a few. All I'm saying is we get it. We get it, Israel. We, we get it. We know what it's like to lose battles. We should have won. Our text today, though, our text today is God giving Israel a rematch against Ai. It's not obvious from our text, but Israel, who, who was recently defeated by Ai, is strong enough to fight and win this time. They, they were not strong enough to defeat Ai the last time, but they're stronger now, and they're going to win. Why? Why? How do you know, how do we know Israel uh, come, can, can emerge victorious with the championship belt around their waist? How do we know that this time Israel will emerge with the gold medal around their neck? How do we know that Israel uh, will, be, will have the championship trophy in their hands? We can read the rest of the story and we see that Israel goes back to Ai, invades Ai, and conquers Ai. But why? Why, why or how did, did Israel uh, conquer it this time? What's different this time than from the last time? How, how are they strong enough to win this time? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Let me give you three answers real quick and we're going to raise up. Number one, number one. If you want to be strong enough to win this battle when you've already been beat down before and God is giving you an opportunity to rematch some, some stuff that you've lost to, here, here's the first thing I want to give you to consider. I'm strong enough to win this time because I've resolved some sin issues. I'm strong enough to win this time because I've resolved some sin issues. Now, uh, this, this is not immediately and directly in chapter 8. We got to back up a little bit to chapter 7 to see what I'm talking about where Israel had to resolve a sin issue. Chapter 7 of Joshua, verse number 26, they piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which, reminds to the, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Unresolved sin can keep you from winning your battles. Unresolved sin can be the reason why you lose battles you're supposed to win. This is what kept Israel from defeating Ai. Israel was not defeated because they only sent 3,000 men in to fight. Gideon has shown us that the numbers don't always matter. With God on your side, you can be outnumbered, out-strategized, out-resourced, and still win. But if God be for you, who can stand against you? If God is on your side, you have enough to win. Israel was defeated against Ai, who they should have certainly defeated due to unresolved sin. And I know even the passage I read from chapter 7 may not give you the whole story. And let me, let me tell you what happened. What, what, what had happened was, what had happened was when Israel invaded Jericho, God commanded them what to destroy as an offering unto the Lord and there were other things allowed to be kept as part of the Lord's treasury in his sanctuary. These things would be holy and belong to the Lord. The same principle applied for when Israel invaded Ai 
the first time. But Achan disregarded the memo. Look at Joshua chapter 7, starting at verse number 11. Joshua chapter 7, verse 11. Israel has sinned. This is God speaking to, speaking to Joshua. Joshua can't believe that they lost this battle at Ai. He just, he can't believe it. He's like, man, we were supposed to run those dudes out of town and take over Ai. So he's crying out unto God. He's complaining. God, why did you, why did you set us up like this? Why did you set us up to be defeated? People going to laugh at us. They're going to disregard the uh, the awesomeness and the glory of your name God why were we defeated in AI and God responds to Joshua in Joshua chapter 7 verse 11 God says Israel has sinned and broken my covenant they have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me and they have not only stolen them but have lied about it and hidden the hidden the things among their own belongings that is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat for now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction so Joshua had to resolve this sin issue. They, they called the children of Israel and through a process of elimination, y'all, through a process of elimination, they identified the culprit. It was Achan. It was Achan. And once they identified Achan, they dealt with the sin that caused their defeat. Now look at Joshua chapter 7 verse 24. Joshua chapter 7 verse 24 we'll see uh, how, how, how Joshua and them, they resolved this sin issue. Verse 24 of Joshua chapter 7. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver that he stole, the robe that he stole, the bar of, gold, bar of gold that he stole, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, all of his currency, all of his money, all of his stuff, and everything he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you and all the Israelites watch this y'all all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies mm. Ooh. they dealt with the sin in the camp they they resolved this this sin issue then verse 26 says they piled a great heap of stones over Achan which remains to this day that is why the place has been called the valley of trouble ever since so the Lord was no longer angry Achan knew better y'all he knew better that's that's why he tried to hide and bury the silver the robe and the gold he knew better it was, it was obvious in how he tried to deal with what he did. He knew better. He, he knew not to take the silver. He, he knew not to take the robe. He knew not to take the gold, but he did it anyway. Is that what you and I do? Isn't that what we do? Don't, do we commit sin despite what God has commanded? Do we, do we know what God has ordained, but we do what we know displeases him? Such behavior can make you lose battles you're supposed to win. Achan thought he was getting away with it y'all he thought he was so slick he thought he was he didn't know that the cameras were on him he didn't know that 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 God's eternal ring camera was all over Achan God watched the whole thing 
Achan didn't think anyone knew about it when he took the stuff from the battlefield. He didn't think anyone knew about it when he took it to his tent. As far as Achan was concerned, no one knew about it while he was digging the hole to bury it. He, he really thought no one knew about him dropping it in the hole and covering it with dirt. He, he called himself hiding it, y'all. He, he called himself trying to sneak it and, and hide it, but he went on about his business thinking he was getting away with it. But God knew about it. And the Lord watched Achan take the spoils, hide them while he stole them, and take them to his tent. The whole time Achan was digging that hole, God was watching. The whole time Achan dropped the stolen spoils into the hole, God was watching. As Achan walked away from the hidden little secret, God saw him, and he also saw the day and time when he would expose Achan and make him pay for his indiscretion. And what's really sad is that Achan and his family paid for his willful, sinful act of disobedience. The whole family was stoned and burned. Don't, don't make your family pay for your disobedience. In fact, consider who else may have to suffer for your sin. Try with everything you've got to do what's right so your family doesn't have to pay along with you. Don't Listen, you've got to keep people in mind that you don't need to suffer because of your own indiscretion. Joshua and Israel resolved the sin issue. The Lord was no longer angry. In chapter 8, in chapter 8, he grants them a rematch. They're, they're strong enough to win this time. So I just want to encourage somebody, before I move on, confess your sins. Confess your sins. Unconfessed sin weakens us. Unconfessed sin weakens us because it breaks fellowship with God. Going into battle uh, with, with, with broken fellowship with God sets you up for failure. We need to resolve unconfessed sin so we can win our battles against whatever and whoever stands between us and what God has promised. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and and just to forgive us and cleanse us. The matter is resolved. I said it is resolved. We can move on with our lives. The blood of Jesus has made it possible for you and I to be forgiven and cleansed because of his sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. We resolve our sin issues with our confession. We tell on ourselves and God forgives us. But I want you to consider something. I want you to consider something. Our confession resolves the matter with God, but we must resolve to move forward with a greater resolve to be disciplined. The person described in Psalm 1 is blessed, joyful, prosperous because he's disciplined. Achan kept the stuff to himself because he was undisciplined. Achan, when you know what you're supposed to do and you just don't do it, it's a lack of discipline. You can say the devil made me do it all you want. You can blame other people all you want. But if you got the memo, you know what God is expecting and you just won't do it, undisciplined is, is walking with you and talking with you and is going to keep you from winning battles, keep you from winning battles that you're supposed to win. The person in Psalm 1 is blessed joyful and prosperous because he's disciplined let me read his testimony he it says all oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers but they delight in the law of the lord meditating on it day and night they are disciplined they they know the rules they know the boundaries they know the the boundaries god has established for their behavior for their lifestyles for their conduct so verse 3 of psalm 1 says they are like trees 
planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do because they love God they they strive to be obedient they strive to be disciplined and Achan Achan messed up because he knew what he was supposed to do but the brother lacked discipline Joshua and Israel fought against the same enemy in chapter 8 that they faced in chapter 7. Now that the matter is resolved, they're going to go into chapter 8 facing AI again just like they did in chapter 7. But they were defeated by AI in chapter 7, but will be but will defeat AI in chapter 8. Let me say that again. They were defeated by AI in chapter 7, but will defeat AI in chapter 8. And I believe it is because they resolved the sin issue and move forward into the next chapter with a resolve to be more disciplined. I want to encourage you and me to do the same. I want to encourage anybody who's failed the test and lost a battle recently that you should have won. You and I need to do the same thing. Move into the chapter 8s of our lives with greater resolve to be disciplined than we were in the chapter 7s of our lives. Are y'all with me this morning? You and I need to, need to move into the rematches in the chapter 8s of our lives. Forgiven and more disciplined than we were in the chapter sevens of our lives in our chapter sevens we lose battles we should have won but in chapter 8 we're strong enough to win we're strong enough to prevail we're strong enough to conquer I want to see you in your chapter 8 I want to shout with you in your chapter 8 I want to rejoice in your victory in your chapter 8 you and your family you and your people you and your business you and your ministry someone needs to declare it's time for my chapter 8 today is a chapter 8 day this season is a chapter 8 season Season. This year is a chapter eight year. Somebody holler chapter eight. Somebody type in the comments chapter eight. This is my season to win battles I'm supposed to win. This is my season. This is my year. This is my era for me to win and emerge victorious against enemies I know I can whoop. Enemies I know I can defeat. I just need to know. Is there anybody feeling a chapter eight anointing falling in your spirit? Is there anybody here who wants God to release a chapter eight anointing in your life? Somebody holler chapter eight. Even with your mask on, somebody shout chapter eight. Put in the comments, put in the chat chapter eight. Put it on Facebook Live. Put it on YouTube Live. Somebody holler chapter eight. Chapter chapter eight blessings. Chapter eight victories. Chapter eight testimonies. Chapter eight new territory. Chapter eight new beginnings. Chapter eight speaks of your rematch. Be strong enough to win this time. Joshua and Israel were strong enough to win the rematch because they resolved their sin issue. But secondly, y'all, secondly, they also had a reserved victory. A reserved victory. Number two, y'all, I'm strong enough to win this time because I have a reserved victory. A reserved victory. I'm in chapter 8, verse 2. Chapter 8, verse 2. You got, God tells Joshua, watch this. Here's Joshua's reserved victory. You will destroy them as you destroy Jericho and its king. There it is right there. God, God uh, emphatically and prophetically declared and decreed a reserved victory for Joshua and Israel. Knowing how this will turn out should have strengthened Joshua and them. Knowing the victory was reserved should have boosted his confidence and his courage. What, what, what do you do when you know victory is reserved for you? How do you think when you know victory is reserved for you? How do you walk? How, how do you talk? What's on your mind? 
when you know victory is reserved for you? Well, what do you do when you have a doctor's appointment? You go see your doctor. What do you do when you have a reservation for dinner? You go to the restaurant. You go to the restaurant, you walk up to the maitre d' or whoever, give them your name and wait to be escorted to your table. What about your hotel reservation? You walk up to the clerk, provide your name, await your room assignment, your keys. You go into your room. You, when you reserve a flight, you ain't wondering if you're going to get a seat. You're not wondering if you're going to get on the plane. You, you got a reserved seat. You, you, you're getting on the plane. When, when First Lady and I uh, journeyed to our cruise last November, we never wondered if we were going to get to take the cruise. COVID kept pushing the date back, but the cruise line responded to COVID by canceling cruises. We rescheduled the cruise three times, three different dates. Because we had reservations, we never wondered if we'd get to take the cruise. We wondered when we'd take it, but never wondered if we'd take it. We had reservations. The cruise left early Sunday morning. We left Warner Robins the day before to stay in a hotel near the port. I pulled up to the hotel, stepped to the clerk, provided my name, and you know, I was expecting my room assignment. I was expecting to get some keys in my hand and the password to the Wi-Fi. I wasn't questioning if I'd get my stuff. I had my phone with the email with my confirmation number handy just in case there was some sort of confusion. There was no uncertainty, no doubt, no anxiety whatsoever about me getting my room assignment, keys to my room, and the password to the Wi-Fi. I went to get my stuff, and I got my stuff. The next morning, we left the hotel, went to the park, uh, uh, went to park the car near, in, in a parking lot near the port. I made reservations for my car at this particular lot long before we ever left Georgia. We got to the lot. I walked in, gave my name. There was no uncertainty, no doubt, no anxiety whatsoever about me getting, my, get, getting whatever I needed to park my car at this lot. I wasn't questioning if I'd get my stuff. I had my phone with the email with my confirmation number handy just in case there was some sort of confusion. I provided my name, got my tickets to park my car, and ride the shuttle from the lot to the ship. No anxiety, no questioning, no uncertainty whatsoever parked my car, got in the shuttle, and went to the ship. We got to the port and went through all the sorts of check-ins and et cetera. We went from one station to the next, providing our names, ID, and et cetera, over and over and over and over. We got, listen, we, 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 first lady had documents printed out just in case we needed to get on the boat. We, we had reservations, but we had no uncertainty, no doubt, no anxiety whatsoever about finally getting on this boat and going on this cruise. If we can have reservations with restaurants, hotels, airlines, cruises, and parking lots, and believe without any uncertainty, doubt, or anxiety that we're going to get a table, or a room, or a seat, or a boarding pass, then why should we act any differently to God reserving us a victory? Should we demonstrate more faith in Expedia or Delta or Royal Caribbean or some fancy restaurant than we have in God? I'm saying when I make these other reservations, I'm expecting whatever I reserved. Okay, y'all looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Um, when you have a reservation, when you have a reservation, it just does something to your state of mind is what I'm saying. You, it does something to your state of mind. It does something to your confidence, your certainty, and, and, and the assurance that whatever you reserved is a done deal. Y'all sitting there. Let me, okay. Um, Y'all with me? Okay. But still. So I got my hair cut this past Thursday. 
I got my haircut this past Thursday. The dude who cuts my hair is a member of our church, Keith Scott. Nickname is Jig. Jig sitting right back there. What up, Jig? Jig, Jig gave me a cut this past Thursday. And um, so I went to see Jig, Jig this past Thursday. When I parked in the parking lot, all right, parked my car and walked into the barbershop on Thursday, I'm hoping I can get my hair cut. I'm hoping it ain't a whole lot of people in the barbershop in front of me. I hope, I'm, I'm hoping Jig can cut my hair this past Thursday. I had gone a couple of Thursdays before. Same thing. I walk in. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping I can get my hair cut on that Thursday. I'm hoping it's not a whole lot of people in there. I'm hoping it ain't a whole bunch of dudes in there. I walked in. I walked in hoping. I'm on a time crunch. You know, I got things to do. I got places to be. So I walked in on Thursday hoping, hoping I can get him to cut my hair. It was Thursday, but I normally go see Jig on Fridays. On Fridays, Jig cuts hair by appointment only. So when I go see Jig on Fridays, I have an appointment. I have a reservation for a certain time for, to get my hair cut. When I go see him on Fridays with my reserved time, I'm not hoping I can get a cut from Jig. I know for a fact Jig is going to cut my hair at the time I reserved for him to cut it. Thursdays, no reservation, I'm hoping. Friday, reservation, no uncertainty, no doubt, no anxiety, no wishing, no hoping I get Jig to cut my hair. In case you're wondering why I have so much confidence in Jig, that when I make a reservation, I'm getting in the chair on Friday at my reserved time, it's because he has a track record. Over and over, time after time, Friday after Friday, cut after cut, he comes through and gets me in the chair according to my reservation. Jig has a track record with me. He honors his word and fulfills his reservation. He does what he said. He, he gets me what we agreed according to the reservation. Joshua didn't have a reservation with Jig for a haircut, but he did have a reservation with God for a victory in his chapter 8. And he trusted God because over and over, time after time, situation after situation, storm after storm, storm battle after battle enemy after enemy God comes through for Joshua and does what he said he was going to do is anybody understanding what I'm saying here I'm saying God has a track record he honors his word he delivers according to the reservation now to have a reservation is one thing but to get what is reserved for you is another to get the table you reserved or the seat you reserved or the room you reserved you have to provide your name you got to walk up to someone and you make them aware of your reservation provide your name and get what is reserved in your walk with God in your walk with Christ in your fights against the devil and your fights against evil you don't provide your name you don't provide your name to get what's reserved for you in your fights against evil in your fight against flesh in your fight against the kingdom of darkness you got to use another name there's no salvation in your name there's no healing in your name there's no power in your name devils don't tremble at your name but at the name of Jesus I wish I had some help in here you call his name when you know you got a reservation for victory when you know you got a reservation to win when you know you got a reservation to prevail call his name there's salvation in his name there's power in his name there's deliverance in his name there's healing in his name you're coming out in his name call his name something about that name something about that name something about that name that I love to hear I love to sing his word this sounds like music in my ear it's the sweetest name on earth oh how I love Jesus is there anybody here with me today who loves Jesus? Is there anybody here who has a track record who knows he will come through? 
over and over over and over storm after storm trial after trial tribulation after tribulation you call on the name of jesus and get the and get the victory that's reserved for you sickness after sickness grief after grief traumatic experience after traumatic experience you call on the name of jesus he'll help you win your fixed fight he'll help you appropriate the, the victory that's reserved for you the victory, you're, the battle you're supposed to win. The battle you're ordained to win. The battle you're anointed to, to win. Call on the name of Jesus and you're strong enough to win this time. Finally, y'all. Finally, I'm strong enough to win this time because I've resolved some sin issues. I have a reserved victory from God. But finally, I'm strong enough to win this time because I've got reinforcements. I got reinforcements, huh? I resolved some sin issues. I have, resolved, I have reserved victory. And finally, I got some reinforcements. Look at chapter 8, verse 3. Joshua chapter 8, verse 3. Joshua has some reinforcements. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors. 30, 000. Chapter 7, he had 3,000. Now he's like, I, got, I, I need some more. Give me 30,000. 30,000 of his best warriors sent them out at night Joshua Joshua goes to this rematch with AI this time instead of only sending 3,000 he chose 30,000 again of his best warriors he has reinforced his fighting force was he stronger this time because of the number that he could send into AI or was he stronger because sin was resolved victory was reserved and 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 because he was reinforced by the types of warriors he could send rather than the number of warriors he could send what makes us strong may not be how many folks we can count who are on our side but how many we can count on joshua just didn't count thirty thousand he could send into ai he had thirty thousand he could count on everybody you can count you can't count on anybody understand what i'm saying he has 30,000 of his best warriors. What, what made these 30,000 the best? These, these, these mighty men of valor. Verse, verse 3, one translation uh, describes them as 30,000 mighty men of valor. Mighty men of valor. Mighty, mighty can be translated uh, strong. It can be translated uh, valiant. Valiant. It can, it can be translated champion. Champion or, or chief or or excel is another word you could put there for mighty men of valor they can be in this word can be interpreted uh it can be translated giant uh it can be translated mightiest or strongest or uh a brave man a brave person they're mighty men of valor they do these are dudes you don't play with these are dudes that that don't play the radio they're mighty men of valor that word valor can also be translated army it it can be translated host it can mean it can mean valiant it can mean strength but it can also mean y'all it can also mean that word valor that word valor can also be translated rich wealthy power hmm he chose some brothers who were rich mighty it could be translated that way the context may not allow it but it, it's something to ponder he he translated some men who had some money they they could write the checks and didn't mind writing them they were it could be translated riches it could be translated wealth it could be translated power 
but they're mighty men of valor. They ain't weak. They ain't punks. These 30,000 men are among the best. They are the strongest, the mightiest, the most powerful, the most courageous. They excel at warfare. The ones Joshua and them can count on. Seems like, seems like Joshua and them will be looking for men who aren't like Achan. Undisciplined. Disobedient. Wouldn't it make sense that this time Joshua would be recruiting people who were strong enough to keep themselves in check? Strong enough to resist the urges in their own flesh? Strong enough, wouldn't he be looking for men strong enough to fight their own desires that work against what God is working out on their behalf? If you want to be stronger for your next fight, your next storm, your next battle, you, you may want to reinforce your circle with the best people you can count on. People who are strong, courageous, and excellent at warfare. Reinforce your circle with disciplined people. They won't touch what they're not supposed to touch. They, they won't keep what they're not supposed to keep. They, they won't say what they're not supposed to say or, or go where they're not supposed to go. Some battles are lost due to who you have around you. you. You can work to keep your nose clean while somebody on your team is standing beside you with their nose running. Get some people in your circle you can count on to fight with you and not cross the line into disobedience. Get, get some people you can count on to move mountains with their faith. Bombard heaven with their prayers and defeat devils with the whole armor of God. Get, get some people who strengthen you to do what's right. Surround yourself with people who inspire you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sometimes what determines whether we win or lose is who we have in our circle. That's one reason why Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. You may need to make some changes to your roster. The NBA trade deadline was this past Thursday. There was a lot of talk about the Lakers needing to trade Russell Westbrook and the Nets and Seth. Don't laugh. That ain't funny. I don't know what's so funny. There was a lot of talk about the Lakers needing to trade Russell Westbrook and the Nets and 76ers needed to work a deal to trade James Harden for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond. You're a bad dude when somebody got to give up 10 people just to get you. Well, the Lakers didn't trade Westbrook. Analysts or fans think that was a horrible mistake. But the Nets and 76ers worked out a deal. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if the Nets or the 76ers win the NBA championship this year? Whether or not those teams will win isn't what I'm, isn't what I'm talking about. It's, it just imagine if one of those teams win it all this year. People will declare their victory was due to the trade. Both rosters are stronger, according to some. You need to make your roster stronger. You may need to trade the Ben Simmons on your roster in your circle because you can't count on him. You may need to get a James Harden type who, who you know you can count on to help you win this time. If you need to cut some folks, go ahead and cut them. Cut them like Oprah Winfrey. You're getting cut, and you're getting cut, and you're getting cut. Just cut everybody who ain't doing nothing to help you win. They're helping you stay weak. 
They're helping you stay carnal. They're justifying and co-signing your wrongdoing. They're helping you keep things hidden and buried. They're helping you add more and more verses for your chapter 7. You need some people who will help you write your chapter 8. And she won this time. And he prevailed this time. And I had to get on him so he would get it right this time. I had to get on her so she'd keep her mouth shut this time. You need some people who will add verses to your chapter 8. But you got people in your life adding verses to your chapter 7. They need to get cut. If you get the right people on your roster, your life is going to reach new levels. If you get the right people on your roster, your victories will become more consistent. If you get the reinforcements you need, you're going to be strong enough to win this time and the next time and the time after that and the time after that and the time after that. So I'm closing with this. It's time out for weakness. It's time out for losing battles you're supposed to win. It's time out for being defeated by stuff you're supposed to defeat. It's time out for being chased by stuff that you're supposed to have up under your feet. Somebody needs to holler. It's time out for weakness. It's time out for compromise. It's time out for losing battles you're supposed to win. You're walking out of here stronger today. I declare and decree you're walking out of here strong enough to win this time. I know you're in the midst of a rematch and you're wondering if you're going to win this time. God told me to tell you that you can win this time. You're supposed to win this time. You got a victory reserved for you so you can win this time. Resolve your sin issues. Move forward with greater discipline. Receive your reserved victories and reinforce your circle with the best people and God is going to help you win. You ask me how I know? I know he'll help you win because be not dismayed. Whatever be tied, God will take care of you. I'm done y'all. I'm going to say it one more time. God will take care of you. You do your part. I'm closing with this. God will take care of you won't he do it how many of you know about his track record won't he do it won't he give you the victory won't he help you win won't he see you through won't he fight with you won't he fight for you if you believe it put those hands together and give God a victory praise blessed be the name of the Lord someone who's been defeated recently you need to declare in the atmosphere I'm strong enough to win this time I'm strong enough to win this time would you stand to your feet I want to pray for you I want to pray for us I want to pray for me I want to win this time I I want you to win this time I don't want to do anything crazy and, and, and then y'all got to pay for it. I don't want to do anything crazy. My wife and kids got to pay for it. My, my church family got to pay for it. Y'all don't need to be in the barbershop, beauty salon, all in Walmart. Yeah, I, I heard about your pastor. I heard, I saw in the paper about your, I saw on the news about your, y'all don't need all that. You need people stopping you. Your pastor is so anointed. Oh my God, your pastor is so blessed. Oh my God, I saw your, y'all supposed to be clapping right there. Y'all supposed to Supposed to be. Supposed, supposed to clap right there. You you need folk. You need folk. You need folk to to talk highly of us, to speak well of us. We don't need an undisciplined senior pastor. We don't need undisciplined ministers. We don't need undisciplined deacons. We we don't need undisciplined trustees. We don't need any undisciplined members. We we need everybody. Want we need we just need you to want to win. We just need everybody declaring, I want to win, and I'm strong enough to win this time. 
Got the best of me in my chapter 7, but I'm in my chapter 8. Moving forward stronger. Stronger. That's, that's why I want this to be why you come to church. So you can get stronger. Not just for what you're going to deal with in the week, but so you can live strong in your life. Stronger. That's why I want you to come to Bible study and be committed to learning, serving, giving, and connecting. Because you're constantly getting stronger. Stronger. Let's pray together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.